Uh, this morning, we're going to be in the passage we were in two Sundays ago. Um, I don't know how many fishermen are in the house, but uh, whether or not you're a fisherman or not, uh, in the world of competitive fishing, uh, anglers are always looking for an edge. Uh, if you think about what anglers are doing, they're, they're striving uh, in, in their quest to find the edge. They're, they're looking for a lure. They're looking for a presentation. They're looking for a location that's going to enable them to not only catch more fish, but to catch bigger fish. And so that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're working to find something that's going to give them an advantage over their competition because they're competing against someone else. And so anglers uh, work hard at this because their livelihood is contingent upon how many fish they catch, how big a fish they catch. Uh, several years ago, I had the privilege of fishing with a friend of mine. Uh, this friend was, uh, was on the FLW Bass Tour, if you know what that is, and uh, he was in town for a tournament on Lake Wheeler there in North Alabama. It's part of the Tennessee River system, and so um, he came in town, Matt did, my friend, and, and, and was there for the tournament, and uh, in the FLW, they give their anglers two practice days to come in and learn the lake, learn the conditions, figure out what it's going to take to catch fish and hopefully place, if not even win, the tournament. And so those two days that he was in town for practice prior to the tournament, I got to fish with him. And so we went out on Lake Wheeler, and uh, the conditions were not ideal. It was early spring. It was very windy, very stormy, very cool. And uh, so it was some tough fishing those two days. And so uh, like probably any practice days that he was spending in the tournament trail, uh, we spent a lot of time just looking at the topography of the lake, uh, looking at the, the graph and running the lake, looking for uh, channels and points and ledges, trying to find bait fish. And, and then we would mark those areas. We would go and fish those areas. And, and we're looking for what lures, what presentations were going to work. And then he took all of that information that we learned from those two days along with anything else he already knew about uh, Wheeler Lake or anything we might have learned from some local person at a bait shop talking to them. And he took all that information and used it to form a game plan going into the tournament. When you think about all the work that's going into that sort of fishing, uh, it's not really that much different than the everyday recreational ang angler. I mean, the everyday person is going to do all that they can to catch as many fish and as big as fish as they possibly can. And so they're doing a lot of the same things. They're going to be watching, the, the, the average guy's going to be watching uh, television shows, going to be subscribing to their favorite YouTube channels, and they're going to read magazine articles. They're going to do everything they can to learn about fishing. They're going to talk other fishermen. They're going to compile all of this information, uh, even from their own electronics on their, on their boats as they go out. They're looking at the topography. They're looking at all of the things there in the water to learn because it doesn't matter whether you're a professional or a recreational angler. The thing that you're trying to do, the goal you're trying to achieve is to put fish in the boat. That's the objective, to bring fish to the edge of the boat and put them in it. Today, as we look at this passage in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, we're going to see what it takes to catch fish. Now, we've already looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago. We learned how to follow Jesus, what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And one of those things that we learned is that as we follow Jesus, we're going to become aware of the mission that we're called to. We're going to become aware of the mission that he's called us to live on and to get involved in. 
Jesus, if you remember, told Peter from this point forward he would be catching men. He's been catching fish. Now he's going to be launched out to catch men with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this new kind of, of mission that was, he, he was called to was not just something he was called to, but it was something that was geared toward Andrew and James and John, all of those fishermen there that were in the boats catching this big catch of fish. The Lord used that big catch to transform these men's perspective. You see, uh, as we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, Simon and Andrew and the others, they probably gave a little bit of lip service to Jesus when he says, why don't you go out to the deep and put down your nets? They played along with him, if you will, but God used that to transform their perspective to show them that he can give them the catch. So as followers of Jesus, I mean, think about it. It's not just Simon and Andrew. It's not just James and John. It's you and I who know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. We've been called to the same mission. We've been called to the same type of lifestyle. We've been called to go fishing. Not necessarily for men, or not necessarily for fish, but we've been called to go fishing for men and women and for boys and for girls. And just as a fisherman may feel overwhelmed by the enormity and the complexity of a new body of water, let's say you're going to a new lake, you look at it and you think, where do I even begin? Sometimes when we think about what it means to share the gospel with someone, we become overwhelmed with that. Why? Because we understand that we're dealing with eternity in the lives of people. We understand that people are different. We understand that we may not know them. We may not know anything about them. And yet God has called us as Christians to be on mission, to go fishing for men, women, boys, and girls. And so what do we do with all of that? I believe we see in this passage of Scripture that when we trust in Jesus, when we follow Him, He teaches us and gives us the resources to go fishing and to fish well. This morning, I want us to see that a confident trust in the Lord Jesus is the key to leading sinners to faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you've got your Bible there, look with me, Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at this passage again this morning and see what Luke has to say about catching fish. He says this, verse 1, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him, Jesus that is, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish for they had taken that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. It's an amazing story that we read. 
If you remember, we talked a couple weeks ago how Jesus here, as Luke tells us, is in Gennesaret, this small town, this small town on the side of the lake of, uh, of the Sea of Galilee, the, the lake of Gennesaret, as it's called here in this passage of Scripture. It's southwest of the town of Capernaum. It's a fishing village, and uh, this is just simply a geographical marker for us to kind of know where Jesus is, how the ministry is progressing. We've already seen that Luke tells us that Jesus' ministry at this point is he's preaching. He's going from synagogue to synagogue, town to town, and preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel. But it seems like he's not just preaching in the synagogue, because here's a crowd following him. Here's a crowd pressing in close to him. He's there on the bank of the Sea of Galilee. And so because they're so close, he asks Peter to uh, kind of put his boat out into the water. He sets down in it and as a preaching platform begins to teach the people, address the people who are on the bank. While all of that is happening, Simon, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, are, and a bunch of other fishermen, more than likely, are on the, uh, on the banks of the lake. They're tending their nets. They've been fishing all night. Simon says they've fished and they've caught nothing. So now they're, they're, they're kind of licking their wombs. They're preparing their nets to go back out that night. That's the business. And so they're up there listening to Jesus as he teaches. And more than likely, Simon is being moved by what he's hearing from the Lord, much like he had been moved in Capernaum. You see, I, I believe that what we've seen already is that, uh, um, that Simon and Andrew and perhaps even James and John have already met Jesus. They've already seen him do miraculous things. I mean, Jesus was in the home of Simon Peter. He healed his mother-in-law. He saw, uh, Peter saw Jesus heal all of the sick people, cast out demons from all those who were oppressed. They're in the city of Capernaum. And so they know who Jesus is, which is indicative of the fact that they listen to Jesus and put out their nets. They know him to be authoritative. They know him to have power. That is something that they don't fully understand. Yet he's not a fisherman. And Simon is asked, he's commanded by Jesus to go out and to set his nets deep in the water, which was something that was altogether different than the way they fish. And so when you think about professional fishermen, what did we say a couple weeks ago? We said that they know how to fish. If they don't know how to fish, they can't feed their families. If they don't know how to fish, their business is going to quickly dry up. And so professional fishermen understand that to catch fish, what do you need to do? You must go to the fish. Professional fishermen understand that you just don't stand on the bank or even get in your boat and you sit at the dock and say, fishy, fishy, come to me. That's not the way you fish. You go to where the fish are. And sometimes you run up and down the lake all day long looking for fish, but you're going to the fish. They also understand that you have to trust the presentation. Right? They understand that you must trust the, the way you're trying to catch the fish. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. I, I love to fish. I'm, I would call myself more of a bass fisherman than anything else. And I've often wondered, why does this largemouth bass or why does this smallmouth bass like to bite this hunk of metal and rubber? It makes no sense to my human mind. But in the mind, if fish even have minds, in the mind of a fish, they say, that looks yummy, and they come and strike it. And so it may not make sense to us, but we trust the presence presentation because it works. And then a professional fisherman is going to rely on his or her knowledge of the lake. They're going to understand the conditions. They're going to know what's worked in the past, what's worked for others uh, on other occasions. They're going to take all of that and trust and rely on the knowledge and the resources that they have to catch fish. Simon and Andrew here are asked to let down their nets 
And Luke tells us they caught so many fish that they couldn't even get it back in. The nets are beginning to break. Their buddies come out to help. They load both boats so full that they're beginning to take on water in the the waves that are on the Sea of Galilee. It's putting the boats actually in jeopardy of sinking. And so in all of this, Simon witnesses this miracle, and he's absolutely overwhelmed by the Lord Jesus. This encounter calls him to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. And in that moment, he learned that Jesus could be trusted. Here's another thing he also learned. He learned how to catch fish. You see, he'd been out fishing all night long. Jesus says, hey, let's go out into the deep. Let's let down our nets out there, and you're going to catch a haul of fish you've never dreamed of catching. And it puzzled his mind, but he trusted Jesus, and he learned how to catch fish. In this passage, Peter and Andrew are catching fish. And I want us to learn from it three keys to leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. I wish I could say this morning that uh, by listening to this sermon, you're going to be able to go out this week and on the James River or Lake Ann or wherever you go to fish and say, these are some keys you can use to catch fish. But I've got greater news than that. If we listen to this, we'll learn how to share the gospel with people in a way that the Lord will use you to bring lost sinners into the boat of his salvation. As I say that, I'm thinking of the ark, Noah's ark. That is a boat of salvation. It's a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. And God wants to bring people into that salvation boat all for his glory. And so let me share with you three keys to leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. Number one, go to the people. If we're going to lead people, if we're going to lead sinners to faith in Jesus Christ, how do we do that? We learn right here, you have to get in the boat and go to where the people are. You remember what Jesus has said? We usually call these or refer to these as Great Commission passages. For instance, Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. What does he say? Stay on the boat, stay on the shore, stay at the dock, uh, don't even get in the boat. No, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. John 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. It's a command to go. Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Again, the commission is to go. It's not to stay. We look here in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, and he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets. He didn't tell Peter and Andrew to stay here on the edge of the shore, or better yet, don't even get in the water. No, he says, let's go out there where the fish are and put down the nets. We go to the people. That's the first key of leading sinners to faith in Jesus Christ. And so one of the first things we need to know about catching fish is you simply can't stay on the bank. Now, I understand this morning you're going to hear that and you say, well, that's not true, Pastor. I fish off the bank all the time. An illustration only goes so far, right? You still got to cast to where the fish are in the water. You're not just letting your spinnerbait set up there on the, on the shore, right? You're getting it in the water. So bear with me, if you will, in the illustration. So think about this. It's impossible to remain where you are and expect the fish to come to you. That's not going to happen. It may happen in a cartoon, but it ain't happening in real life. And so the same is true when it comes to sharing the gospel. Here, Simon is told that he is to put out into the deep and he's to let down the nets. He and Andrew had to leave where they were to go to where the fish were. They weren't where they were, right? I told you a couple weeks ago that the 
type of fishing or the style of fishing of Simon and Andrew and his, and his uh, colleagues was they didn't go out with lures like we do. They would fish with nets. They would seine the shallows. They would have a net tied to maybe Simon's boat and a net tied to John's boat. And they would work in tandem, pulling that net through the shallows during the night as the fish came from the deep into the shallows to feed on the bait fish. And so that's how they would catch fish. So it made no logical sense for them to go into the deep, let down their nets to catch fish. And yet that's what Jesus called them to do, to go to where the fish were. That's where the fish were. They were in the deep. And so they had to leave. And for us as followers of Christ, we too must leave where we are to go to where those in need of Christ are. And think about it. That's why we get on a plane and fly overseas. It's because there's lost people in places where they've never even heard the name of Jesus, much less heard the gospel message. So we go from where we are to where they are. That's why even in our neighborhoods, we have the gospel in our home, hopefully. Hopefully we're followers of Jesus and our kids are Christians and and we're following and walking with Jesus, but the neighbor across the road isn't walking with Jesus. How do we get them? We walk across the road from where we are to where they are with the gospel message. That's the key to leading sinners to faith in Christ. You see, the Great Commission is a go-and-tell enterprise. It is not a come-and-see enterprise. We are to go and to tell. We're not to build great things and say, come look what we got. Come, come see the production we're putting on. That's never been the commission of Jesus Christ. And yet that's what we would, if we're honest, that's what we would prefer. Why? Because it's easiest. It's hard to go. It's, it's difficult to go. We would prefer, because it's difficult to do that, we would prefer to stay home. What is it that makes going and telling so difficult? Let me just give you three simple things. I believe one of the reasons it's difficult is because it forces you out of your comfort zone. Think of Simon here. He's comfortable fishing in the shallows. It's what he knows. It's what he's been successful with in the past. To go into the deep doesn't make any sense. It gets him out of the comfort that he's used to. And for you and I, we would rather live in our comfort zone. Right? Am I the only one that loves my comfort? I love the comfort of what I've created for myself. It is a stretch to get out of that. And when it comes to the gospel, it's doubly so. Another reason it's difficult to to go and to tell is because it requires effort. Simon and his brother had to row or set the sail so they could get out into the deep waters. It took effort to do that. If we're going to lead people to Jesus, it's not going to just happen on its own. It's going to take effort. It's difficult. There's a third reason. It's because it's dangerous. You think about Simon and Andrew in this boat, fishing in the deep is always more dangerous than fishing, fishing in the shallows. I mean, if you get knocked out of the boat in three foot of water, you just stand up in the mud, right? It's maybe hard getting back in the boat, but if you get knocked out in 300 foot of water, a little bit more difficult, especially if your boat's tall. You may not be able to get back in it. It's dangerous. And so when we think about sharing the gospel, it can be dangerous, Now, in America, it's pretty easy, it's pretty simple, but there is an area or a level, I should say, of danger that comes with that. There could be ridicule, there could be some level of persecution, whatever. And so we take that thought, that idea, and we escalate it infinitely, and we think we can't do this because the danger is too great. We need not ever forget that Jesus has never called us to an easy task. In fact, if we think about the gospel, we need to understand he's called us to an impossible task. What do you mean by impossible? Think about it. Jesus has commissioned us to take a message to sinners that calls them to humble themselves and turn from their sin. 
It, it calls rebels to bow in submission to the very God they have rejected and are in rebellion against. It demands that sinners forsake their worldly pursuits and to find satisfaction solely in Jesus Christ. This kind of message, think about it, it's never going to be attractive to a worldly mind. It's never going to be attractive to a person who's not been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. It's not going to be something that appeals to those who are spiritually blind because they're never going to be impressed with it. We should never think that we can build something or produce something that's going to garner the attention of those who are not in relationship with Jesus. Instead, God has purposed this church not to do those things, not to say, come and see what good things we have, but to go and to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the purpose of church on Sunday morning? I want you to think about this for a moment. We have a response call every Sunday, right? I'm... I'm committed to saying when the word of God is preached, when the people of God gather, we need to have an opportunity to respond to the word of God. But what is the purpose of us gathering as the church on Sunday morning? Is it, as, is it a big crusade event where, where Billy Graham, uh, incarnate, I shouldn't say incarnate, but resurrected Billy Graham's coming in here and preaching to this, this crusade type of event? No, not, that's not the picture of the church on Sunday morning. This is the church gathered to be encouraged, to be built up, to be uh, edified in the word of God. Why? Because when we scatter from here on, on Monday through Saturday, we take the gospel and the word of God with us so that we can go and tell. And the fish that we catch during that week, we bring back with us to this boat. You catch the picture there? We're called to go and tell. Number two, the second key to leading sinners to faith in Christ is to trust the word of the gospel. Simon said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word. I will let down the nets. What does Simon do then? Put it in some vernacular that we may understand when it comes to fishing. I think it's the idea of casting. Simon casted the net. We may cast our lure into the water. He trusted the word of the gospel. He put it into play. He trusted the words of Jesus. And so as Christians, we too should trust the words of Jesus. We, again, we've been commissioned by him to go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel. So we trust not only his commission of us, but we trust the message of our commission. We trust the gospel to transform a person's life. What did Paul say about this? Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, Paul understood that the only thing that transforms a person's life is not good motivational speaking. It's not good works. It's not, man, if you try harder, lean in more, grip tighter to these things. No, if you hear the message of the gospel and receive that into your life, that is transforming in you. And it's not just for salvation. All of us as Christians, we continue to walk in the gospel and it transforms our lives. It is the power of God to do that. So when it comes to leading people to faith in Christ, what else is there to trust in other than the power of the gospel? Now, we certainly don't want to trust in our own communication skills or abilities because we're going to mess that up. Many times we think that we can't share the gospel with people. We can't live on mission because we don't know the right things to say. I mean, that's true. I mean, sometimes people can have, I mean, just down pat a, a, a script to share the gospel with somebody, but if they're trusting in the script, it'll do nothing in the life of that person. 
But if you'll rely on the gospel itself and the power of God through that, it's life transforming. And other times, you may feel like you're just fumbling through everything, but your faith is in the gospel. You're trying to be faithful in sharing it, and God, through the Holy Spirit, just uses you as this weak, terrible vessel to do something glorious and transforming in the life of someone else. It's not about you. It's about his message and his spirit working. We need to remember that. Simon here was asked by a non-professional fisherman, as a professional fisherman, to go and put his nets down. He trusted the word of the Lord rather than his own experience and his own knowledge. Simon, if he was thinking clearly as a human being, he would have said, no, that's not going to work. We fish in the shallows. And it's not the right time of the day. The conditions aren't right. We've already been fishing. It's not going to work. I'm going home to bed, Jesus. Have fun. Here's the boat. Here's the nets. Bless you. We'll see you tonight. Maybe you will catch a couple fish. That's probably what Simon humanly was thinking but he trusted the word of the Lord. And we need to remember that it is through the power of the gospel message that lost sinners find forgiveness and redemption in Christ. We dare not use this reality as an excuse to not prepare, though. We need to know how to share the gospel. We need to know uh, to have a proper understanding of the gospel, develop skills in sharing it with others. But ultimately, think about this. The burden rests upon the Lord's shoulders. It doesn't rest upon yours. And I don't know about you, but that is life-transforming for me. To think that I can go into a, a person's home, to think that I can speak to a person who lives in my neighborhood, to think that I could go cross-cultural into an area that I don't even speak their language, and through a translator, I can share the gospel, and through the power of God, that person's life has changed. It's not on me. If you've ever spoken through a translator, good night, that's hard. Because I don't know about you, I speak in a lot of euphemisms. I, I, I realized that the other day uh, in, in a meeting I was in, I, I kept using these euphemisms and I started thinking, do these people even know what I'm talking about? Because, I mean, I'm speaking Arcanese here, right? I don't know if they know this. I need a translator here, even in Virginia. And so you got to think through all that stuff, yet God will use it to transform a person's life. That brings me through to a third key. Rely on the power of God. Verse 5 again, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. He casted them. So there in the deep, Simon was relying upon the power of God to bring in a catch. If he had been relying upon his own power, his own ability, there would have been, they would have been in the shallows. Instead, he's out in the deep, trusting the word of Jesus, relying on his power. And so when we seek to lead sinners to faith in Jesus, we dare not think that we have the power to bring any sort of change in anyone's life. It is the power of God that does that. We have nothing to give outside of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we need to model what that life looks like. We need to live according to the gospel. But when it comes down to it, I cannot take the life of Jesus in me and impute it into you. Only the Spirit of God can do that. As you hear the message, embrace the message, turn from sin, and in faith turn to Jesus. I am simply a conduit through which the Lord works in a person's life. And what did Jesus say about that? Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So as followers of Christ, we rely on God's power to work in us and through us as we share the gospel with sinners. 
In doing so, the gospel transforms lives, and we see evidence of this, even in the people that we're going to look at this afternoon in small groups, the Thessalonians. You think about the church there in Thessalonica. We, we know in Acts chapter 17 that Paul comes to Thessalonica because he's been run out of Philippi, and he begins to preach the gospel there. And I think he's there three Sabbaths, 21 days. And through that short three weeks, he begins to lead people to faith in Christ. They become disciples, the church is birthed. And then because such incredible, glorious gospel things are happening, the Jewish people run them out of town. They go to Berea, they go on. Finally in Corinth, Paul writes this letter back to the Thessalonians because he's, he's worried, he's concerned about their faith, whether or not they've been in, uh, grounded in that faith or because of that short time that he had with them, that they've been led astray by false teachers. He sends Timothy, he sends a letter. Timothy comes back with good news and says, they're not only believers in Jesus Christ, they're walking with Jesus Christ. Why is that? How is that? The power of God change their lives. I don't have time to read the text. If you come to a small group this afternoon, we'll see that. The gospel changes lives. Here are Jewish people who came to faith in Jesus, probably some pagans, Greek uh, uh, mythology type of pagans who, who've been worshiping and, and, and doing pagan things. They've come to Jesus Christ in Thessalonica, and it's the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ that's changed him. Not the eloquency of the Apostle Paul. Now, was he a good speaker? Absolutely, he was a good speaker. He was a great theologian. He's a great author. But it's not the power of speech. It's the power of the Spirit of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. And what you and I do is we go and tell. Does that make sense? Three keys to leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. Go to where they are. Trust the word of the gospel and rely upon the power of God working through you and through his gospel. That day, there in that boat on the Sea of Galilee, two men were asked to put out into the deep to let down their nets for a catch. If it had been me in the boat, I would have scoffed and said, sure, all right, let's do this thing. I got an hour, let's burn it. I mean, it's almost lunchtime, we'll go do your thing, and maybe I can wash the nets and still make lunch and, and a nap, but let's, let's go fishing. Simon, on the, on the other hand, obeyed, followed through, probably with a really good attitude, and God used him to catch a whole lot of fish. What was the purpose of this story? It wasn't to catch fish. Jesus used this as a way to say, you know what, if you'll trust me the rest of your life, you're not going to be just catching fish. You're going to catch men. You're going to catch men for my glory. And this morning, that's what we've been called to do. We've not been called just to live life. We've not just been called to just kind of go through the motions and, man, we, we got to just make sure our family is raised right and we got to go to work and make money. We got to pay the mortgage. We, that's not what we've been called. We're not living for the week. We're not living for vacation. We live as Christians to do as much with the gospel we can in the short time we have on this earth. How do we do that? We go to where the people are, we trust the word of the gospel, and we rely upon the power of God. This morning, if you're a Christian, I hope that's what you're doing. I hope that's what you're doing. I hope this morning you're thinking of people in your circles that you run with that need to know Jesus. And I hope you're understanding that you're strategically placed in those circles of influence because you're the person to be the light in their life. You're the person to bring the gospel to them. You're the one casting the net of the gospel over them. 
I hope you're realizing that. You're thinking of them. You're seeing their face. You're committing yourself afresh and anew to reaching those people. Maybe it's a family member, even in your own home. Maybe it's an extended family member. Maybe it's a neighbor down the road. Maybe it's a friend, a colleague, someone in your class. God's called us to go and to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. This morning, some of you in this room may be watching this online. You've never been caught And right now you feel the net of the Lord Jesus Christ coming across your life and you're getting caught in that net. That's a good thing. I remember April 24th, 1997, when the gospel caught me. 1 John chapter 5 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And that verse captured my heart because I realized I had religion, I had biblical knowledge, I had church activity. I had all of the things that made me look really good as a Southern Baptist freshman in college, but the only thing I lacked was the most important thing, life and life anew in Jesus Christ. This morning, maybe that's you. And as I said earlier, we have a time of response every Sunday. How do you respond to that? You come and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness in Christ. Would you forgive me on my sin? Would you become the Lord of my life as I lay it down before you. Maybe that's you this morning. If so, I would encourage you, you come. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to uh, pass you off to one of our uh, um, uh, folks to, to pray with you and walk through the gospel with you this morning. Just a brief amount of time, but you come this morning. Let's pray as we respond. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. God, thank you for this miracle that you worked in Simon and Andrew's life from John and James. Lord, as they saw you do a miracle catching all of those fish, but it was simply a picture. It was simply an illustration of what you really wanted them to do. And that is to go and to share with everyone the good news of what Jesus can and wants to do in their lives. This morning, many of us in this room, people watching online, we've experienced that as sinners. Our our sins have been forgiven. They've been washed away. We've been made new and clean before you. God, now we are understanding even that much more how now you're sending us back out. As the fish that's been caught, you're sending us back out to catch more fish. Lord, help us to do that. God, our county needs the gospel. Our state needs the gospel. Our nation needs the gospel. The nations of this world needs the gospel. How will it get there? It's when we recognize that we have been called to go and we live on mission. Lord, I pray for those in this room watching as well that need a relationship with Jesus. They can feel the gospel net tightening around them. Lord, there's an opportunity for them to turn and to bolt the other way, but God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you'll continue to lead them into the net and they would surrender their lives and they would confess their sin and you would transform them through the power of the gospel. Lord, even this morning, I pray that would happen. Holy Spirit, draw us to the decisions we need to make today. Lord, if we're a Christian that we've been walking at a guilty distance for some time, Lord, may we understand that you love us and through the power of the gospel, come home. Confessing sin, receiving the forgiveness, knowing that you love us. Lord, help us today. Help us to live on mission. God, may it start this afternoon. May it start tomorrow. freedom to move in our hearts, Father. We trust that you and your family have been encouraged and blessed today. If you have just made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you would like to pray with someone, or even if you want to know more about our church, 
please contact our church office or send us an email. We are looking forward to seeing you next week here in person or online. See you then.